Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash auction podcast for your free audiobook download. Hi, everyone. This is Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Podcast, and I'm in Kittery, Maine, in a lovely artist studio. And with us today is Pamela DeLong Williams. How are you doing, Pam? I'm fine, Marty. How are you? Great. I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many, many years, and uh, I think you're one of the greats. I really uh, have always loved your work, and uh, we have a couple of connections along the line. You were in San Francisco. That's where you went to school, yes? Yes. I, I took some courses at the San Francisco Art Institute in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But I was primarily educated in Boston and New York. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember um, we've, I've had the pleasure of painting with you, and it's always been a lot of fun. And I remember a long time ago, in a general conversation, you told me that you knew, always knew, that that's what you wanted to do, was be an artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a, I mean, there's not, I think there's a handful of people in my life I've met that are actually doing what they wanted to do as a young kid. I wanted to be a fireman. It didn't work out too well, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, it was always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always knew. My dad painted as a hobby. We had a studio. Uh, he had a studio outside the house. And that's really where I spent a good deal of my childhood. So you actually went into the studio and did he give you a brush and say, have at oh, it? Oh, I had an easel. I had a brush. <laughs> Together we took painting lessons in Boston uh, with a man named James Price, who at that time was the director of, I think it was the Boston Institute of Art at that time. This is going way back. Mm-hmm. And so my dad and I would drive in on Tuesday night to his studio and take take classes from him. Hmm. And then I uh, I think my first the first classes I took my dad had me take private lessons when I was about twelve or eleven after school with a woman in uh, town who was an artist. And then I studied with James Price with my dad. And at the same time, I attended the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, their high school program on Saturday. So I did Mm -hmm. that. Um, And that's just what I did. And I don't think I chose it. I think it chose me. (laughs) It was just always there. But uh, And also, uh, we've had this conversation, you love what you do. And what what a gift that is. I love what I do. Yeah. I love what I do. If I can't do it, I don't want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, do you get, like, itchy, like you just need to paint? Yes. Yeah. I I totally understand that. I feel that way right about now. (laughs) You took a little time off. (laughs) Sidetracked for six weeks. And... uh, Doing other things, building gardens and painting the house and just getting oh, re- out of the studio. Real painting, so to real speak. Real painting. Yeah. And uh, so now I'm ready. Now let's let's talk. I, I know you do classes, and I've always wanted to do the one with you in Tuscany, Italy. Mm-hmm. To paint there would be just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you do that 
Um, is it every year, or you have done it a lot? I haven't done it for the last four years, uh, but next year I'm scheduled to teach in Tuscany at a foundation called Spinocchio. Hmm. Um, and that's September of 2011. And I'm also making plans to teach in Provence. Really? Shop in Provence. Nice. I think that will happen in 2012. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you do Block Island quite often? Always. Yes. Always. Every June, every October, I do Block Island plein air painting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do Seacoast plein air painting in July. People can pay a fee and paint with you in these locations. Absolutely. These Even Tuscany. Exactly. Anybody these out there <laughs> listening? <laughs> yeah. These are plein air workshops I teach. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, we go to a different location every day and uh, work on location always, even if there's a nor'easter. I was going to ask you about uh, weather conditions. They're out there. We're out there. We're out there with duct tape and umbrellas and slickers. and wow. Nothing's more exciting than to paint a nor'easter. I mean, wow. <laughs> Someone should paint a painting of you people painting in the nor'easter. Yeah. <laughs> That would be interesting. Yeah. Now, um, our connection, another connection we have is I had a little art gallery and I used to sell your paintings. I actually oh, did very right. well. You were my number one uh, sales. Right. Yeah. And, um, and uh, to explain to the listeners, uh, a number of people had commented on your uh, pieces, a little bit of a hopper look to them in your architectural, your cottages and things like that. Um, do you still hear that? Um, and, and there's something I, else I'm going to ask you, too. I do. I, I have never been uh, a fan of Hopper. I know. I, I know it's your own <laughs> style. So I hope that's not offensive in any way. Not at all. Yeah. I think the similarity is the mansard roofs of Block Island, which I, I hold near and dear, and I love to paint. And I also love to paint the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never um, set out to be a landscape painter, and I'm not a landscape painter. I uh, do portraits of buildings and houses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I remember your flags. You used to do these awesome flags that looked like they were really turning in the wind. Yeah. Those were great. And uh, the colors and everything. And when I painted with you, I remember the palette you used. You had a very specific palette, color palette that you used. And I forgot it all now. So I'm just, uh, as I'm painting, I'm just using whatever I think looks good. Yeah. So. Well, it's the same palette I use for still life and portrait painting. And I didn't make it up. It's really just the Sargent or Impressionist basic palette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly balanced with warms and cools and transparent mm-hmm. darks. And so it's what I like. This is going back like 15 years ago. I think you told me this, I hope it's you, <laughs> that um, you were displaying in Connecticut or someplace like that, and your work was a certain way, it was, I want to say, more academic, and then you had your art gallery owner came to your studio, looked at your studies, and said, your studies are much more interesting, and then you started changing your style a little bit toward that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I do know my studies go. My studies are really popular. Uh huh. Was he just saying that he liked your 
studies? Perhaps maybe he was saying yeah. that. I do yeah. remember it was you, though. Probably was. <laughs> oh, I say a lot of things I don't remember. <laughs> it's the pain fumes. Yeah. The turpentine. Yeah. So, um, in, I see, are you sharing your studio now with... With, um... Yes, I am. I'm sharing my studio with a painter I have known for 35 years in Connecticut. We worked together there, Suzanne Butler Richardson. She was an illustrator. Uh, when I was a fine artist, and um, we decided this would be fun to share this studio Uh we're trying it. Mm -hmm. it's, it is now, did you say you paint with her down there as well? Did you just... I did when we both lived in Connecticut. Oh, I Back see. in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, yeah. Now, you were um, you were in a kind of an artist's colony sort of in Connecticut, yes? I was, yes. I, I left uh, Boston when I graduated from art school specifically to live in Westport, Connecticut, which was where there were many illustrators and designers and painters mm -hmm. and um, I I wanted to earn a living as an artist and not do anything else so and you, you go where the artists are and where people are earning a living doing that and, well you know. I remember I remember you telling me what you spent on frames one year so I think you've done pretty well haven't you yeah. <laughs> more than most people make <laughs> well I've been I've been fortunate. I, I've been really fortunate that I have. Uh, I don't know. I think the thing I'm most grateful for is that I have had uh, the desire to do what I'm doing and not do anything other than. I mean, love what I do, and I'm always uncomfortable with the way I'm doing it, so I always strive to do it better. Uh huh. Now let's talk about along those lines. What have your transformations been over the years? Did you start a certain way and turn to something else, or the subjects have remained the same? I love to paint people, but I've I noticed love um, to paint the figure. Uh, I've I noticed the little birds and things in your paintings, which is really great. I you do you have some of these paintings up on your website. Yes, I do. Okay, because I'm going to link your website below this podcast so our listeners can take a look at your paintings. But I noticed, like, for instance, there's a, a portrait of a man seated in a chair. Love, I've always loved your portraits. And then um, there's, like, a, a raven, a crow, yeah. sitting next to him on a classical, neoclassical pedestal. He's behind you. The raven is on the wall. Yeah. Oh, you've got a real one. Yeah. <laughs> just like Audubon. Yeah, just like Audubon. <laughs> in fact, one night uh, last yeah, uh, He's no longer living, I should say, just like Audubon right. kind of too. Yes. right. My model, this model, brought me a paper bag with a big dead raven in it. And it was, Marty, it had to have been 15, 17 inches long. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And it had these iridescent blue feathers. It was a magnificent creature. Uh -huh. It was magnificent. Uh -huh. I, I don't know. You... you uh, birds, there's bees in a lot of paintings. Yes, I've noticed a little bees. I recently did a little study of a dead goldfish, and I put a fly on the saucer. <laughs> and I must have spent <laughs> ten hours painting this fly and researching the fly. Uh, 
Wow. And I love the fly on this little painting. Well, uh, Severn Rosen and uh, some very special painters always had a little fly on their, um, in their paintings. Well, I thought it would be fun to, on a portrait commission, hide a fly on the, the subject, maybe on their hair or <laughs> someplace where no one would notice it except their 12-year-old son sitting in the dining room having dinner Ma. saying, Mom, you know what? I think there's a fly in your hair. <laughs> I thought that would be fun. Yeah. Now, do you, do you, I remember you were doing portrait commissions, or, or how would the economy change and everything? Are you still getting those commissions? Yes, I am. Not yeah. as many, but I'm, I'm getting the commissions. I have a backup of three or four commissions. Great, great. So, now, do you, are, when you're, I talked to another artist about this who doesn't really like to do commissions, so, but he will do them, but when he does them, he has to ask the people to have permission on the type of setting and stuff that he does. In other words, um, he likes it to be sort of the control of what he's depicting them as, not just as a, a solemn subject. Do you have any, um, do people want specifically for you to paint a portrait of them and that's it? Or do you have a little bit of leeway to do what you um, want to do? Well, when I... When I do a portrait for a client, um, I think they trust me. Everything they view in my portfolio, everything that they see as examples, samples, finished paintings, I've done completely for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, when, my first job out of art school was in New York at an advertising agency, and I did illustration, and I said, I, I just will not have an art director over my shoulder, although I was an art director. I won't have an art director over my shoulder when I'm doing my painting. Hmm. Um, but without stating that and, and putting the subject off by that, I very much include them mm -hmm. in uh, my painting. I don't pose them. They pose themselves. Oh. I don't tell them what to wear. They this is an expression of themselves. They'll present to me how they want to look. They'll present to me their attitude, their uh, their personal color palette by what they choose to wear. And I basically put the model up on the stand, talk to the model. Make the model comfortable. I love people, so it's yes, it's do. really easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I'm painting people, because I love them. I, I really love them. And I love the way they open up to me when mm. I paint them. I have teenagers telling me things that I don't think their parent they want their parents to ah. hear, and I honor that. And um, I'll put a mirror behind me so they can watch the painting being done. Really? And uh, so they're part of the process. And I think whatever I've pulled through them onto the canvas, it's what they've given me. Wow. I, I didn't invent anything. Mm -hmm. but their attitude, the look in their eye, their, their um, body language says so much mm -hmm. about their personality. So I, th I think um, 
my portraits are a bit different because of that. So you paint a lot more in your portraits than just what you see? No, I paint exactly what I see. <laughs> and I paint exactly what they give me and what they talk about and how they project themselves. I meant visually. So like yeah. whatever you get. I don't I don't go by photographs. I was just gonna ask you if anyone's ever if anyone's ever come to you and asked you to paint a portrait of someone that's no longer here or something like yes, that from I a photograph. I've yeah. had to do commemorative portraits. Mm -hmm. um, Can you tell if you paint from a photograph compared to painting from life? I mean, when you look at it, yes, you can. I can. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can. can you? They always say you can. You can. Yeah. You can. Mm -hmm. uh, and the eyes are... Everything is just... Uh, well, there's a... Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. Mm -hmm. I, I think when you paint from life, it's more of a caricature than it is of mm -hmm. photographic rendering. And, uh, you know, that's what... Uh, that's why I never studied portraiture. You never did? I never studied hmm. portraiture. I studied uh, Impressionist painting. Mm -hmm. But I never studied formulated portraiture. Now, I remember when I was painting with you doing figure painting, that you always suggested to start with the eyes. Is that mm -hmm. how you, you still do that? Yeah, I start yeah. with the eyes as the focal point to the painting, just as I would with any other focal point to the painting. I see. You know, whether it's the light on a mansard or, um, you know, uh, the shadow or whatever the focal point of that painting is. That's where I start. And really? hmm. Usually it's the eyes. And I've been painting, I've been interested over the years in painting, paintings with people, women that you can't see their eyes because they have a hat on. Mm -hmm. And that's still the focal point. That's still where it begins. Right about the hat area where the hat leans where over the, the eyes? eyes would be. Wow, isn't that something? Another thing, um, I remember when I had my gallery selling a couple, you were doing some great still lifes for a while, and a lot of them you dared to put in either brassware or silverware, silver hollowware, what they call it, like tea sets, you know, sterling tea sets, things like that. And what I, I remember looking at that painting and saying to you, it looks just like silver, but there's no silver in this. It was all reflections. Correct. Yeah, and Correct. I think people don't realize how difficult that is to paint something like that. Mm -hmm. You don't go, you don't mix silver paint on your palette. No, you're just doing reflections. Reflections of the environment, which is similar to painting a white house or uh, anything that is white. Um, they're, they're, if you study color. You know that black and white are not colors, they're tints. Mm -hmm. What is the, uh, some famous artist said there's no white in nature. I'm there really isn't, because white, an <clears throat> object that is white, such as a house, reflects its environment in the same way silver would. Mm -hmm. So it's influenced by the blue of the sky, the green of the grass, the um, red porch floor might be reflecting up on the White House, mm -hmm. uh, the temperature of the sky, 
You know, and that's mm -hmm. the same with silver. You put silver in any environment and it becomes that environment. Mm -hmm. Are you, what are you working on? Are you working on anything currently? I remember we were doing, um, I'm trying to remember, you, you kind of go in like blocks of things that you do, or that's what you used to do. Are you doing anything like that right now? I'm, I'm really focusing on the figure right now. Mm. You know, I do my summer uh, plein air studies and I've brought them all back into the studio. I have some commissions to do with the studies, but you know, the study of the figure and the portrait is such a lifetime commitment for me mm. that it keeps changing and changing. And I'm, I finally can say, after 42 years, I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling as though, oh, I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting this now. I'm getting... The turn of that form. I get it. That doesn't blow me away anymore. And um, I think what I'm enjoying doing recently has been uh, portraits in profile. Uh, hmm. I, um, what caught my interest, I would say, two years ago were these um, 1400 Italian portraits where uh, the style was, or the 1300s, 11 to do the portrait in profile. Is that the right mm -hmm. century? And um, it was very popular in Italy. Mm -hmm. I and know exactly I, what you're talking about. I mm -hmm. love these Italian portraits, you know, mm. and little things, everything meant something. The adornments, the jewelry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, women that were not wealthy were not allowed to wear pearls in a portrait. I didn't like, know that. Little things oh. like that that I'm learning. So um, I, I'm intrigued with, I always have been kind of off and on portraits and profile, but I'm always interested in how different the person looks hmm. in profile mm -hmm. than they look face on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so... Now, have you, I remember you used a certain model a number of times. Do you still do that? Use the I same? like to stay with the same model. Mm -hmm. Right now, I've been using a local girl that I find really fascinating. Um, and I've done maybe a half a dozen paintings of her mm -hmm. or more. Now, when someone sits to do, when you're doing a portrait of someone, not a commission, just a portrait like we're talking about now. Um, how long would someone have to sit? Is it a long time? Well, if I'm paying them, they'll <laughs> sit forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I, well, it's, you know, it's a process. It's always a process. And if it, they come in the next day or a few days later? No, we'll usually do once a week or twice a week. So, the, And if I'm doing it in the evening, I'll keep it in the evening. One mm -hmm. thing... I, one thing about painting at night is I have better control over the light. I know that I've painted at night with you at your other studio you were in before. Mm -hmm. We painted, did figure paintings then. We still do. We mm -hmm. still share a model uh, here in the studio at night. And also one night a week I teach portrait painting. Mm -hmm. And I have weekend figurative workshops. I have one coming up in November. Um, 
I have week-long portrait workshops, which are, are uh, similar to the weekend, where you leave everything in place, clean your brush, and walk out. And I find that to be such a wonderful privilege hmm. um, to be able to do that and uh, stay. The one thing about a portrait painting that really is helpful is if you keep it going while it's wet. Uh-huh. Wet on wet. Yeah. Wet on wet. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a, there's a, um, it's necessary to set up the whole face with, with wet paint. This is why I think oil has always been the preferred medium for sure. portraiture. Mm -hmm. Um, so if the students can keep working at five consecutive days or three consecutive days mm -hmm. and know that there's going to be uh, a surface they can still manipulate, yes, it's, it's really wonderful. Wow. Now, have you ever had a student, besides me, that came in that you thought, wow, they're really talented? <laughs> I have. I'm I just have. kidding about me. No, yes. I think you are very talented. Oh, no, I, I would say I've been teaching since 1976. And I would say um, at least 30% of my students, maybe 45% of my students, um, sell, mm -hmm. teach, yeah. have their own professional careers as as. And they and they still touch base with me. I mean, we still work together. I gave one my most recent uh, workshop this summer in June on Block Island. I had uh, three of my very earliest students from the late seventies. Wow! So they came back. That's fun. They come back because as I grow, they grow. As they grow, I grow. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's like a little tribe. It's our own little colony, and we influence each other. And the, you know, it's funny about the teaching. I, I just, uh, when I was in high school, my mother really was adamant about me um, going to a four-year college so I could get a degree mm -hmm. and be a teacher. She said, if you're an art teacher, then you have the security and such, and I didn't. I didn't want to be an art teacher. I wanted to be a commercial artist, a designer, an illustrator. I just wanted to be able to be an artist. Mm. And st a starving artist never appealed to me. <laughs> <laughs> it never appealed to me. Mm -hmm. I always wore shoes in the sixties. Um, I mm -hmm. never had dreadlocks. Wait a minute. I'm just picturing with dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you always maintained, I mean, you always made a, a good living painting, or figured out how to. Now, were you actually married to an art, another artist, weren't you? At one yes, time? I was. Jim and I met in art school, and um, he was an illustrator, and uh, an illustration major, and I was a graphic design major, and... Um, we were really good. We were good together. As uh, We were good for each other professionally. We fed off each other. I noticed you said professionally. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't continue on with it. But, well, you yeah. know. Well, these things happen. These yeah. things happen. Yeah. But uh, we started a design 
uh, studio in New York, and he's still in New York. Oh. And I think um, about five years into it, I um, decided to have children, and uh, we built a house in Connecticut that had a wonderful studio set apart from the house, and um, that's where I... I worked. I did some freelance work when he would bring it home, illustrations mm -hmm. and such, but I basically went back to the Art Students League at that point in the early 70s and devoted myself to painting. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'll tell you, that's all I did. Mm. Now, you did teach 24 7 in Connecticut? Yes, I taught in Connecticut. I was asked to teach um, in 76. I said, I am not a teacher, and mm -hmm. this uh, Darien Art Association asked me if I would teach. So I said I would try, mm -hmm. and I taught high school kids for one year, and then I ended up teaching adults, and I love teaching. Yeah. I love it. It has really been, I would say, one of the main motivations for my work growing and pushing wow. myself ahead. I think it's been because of teaching. Well, I remember painting with you while you were teaching. Mm -hmm. And you made a magnificent painting of the tugboats downtown Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. i got to tell you a quick story about that. Okay. okay. I had the art gallery. had your yeah. work, and I had my paintings in there as well. And I painted one also of that tugboat. And I had... $450 on it in my gallery for an entire year. I'm not exaggerating. My ex-wife, there's a reason she's my ex-wife. My ex-wife came in one day and she said, you should drop the price of that like $50. It's been here like a year. And I said, I know, I know. I dropped the price to $70, I think it was. Later on that afternoon, a guy came in, came in with his wife, and she goes, is it here, is it here? I said, what's going on? He had walked by a year before, at night, when I was closed, saw my tugboat painting, and had to have it, forgot the name of my gallery and all that. He oh, came neat. back into town, and he said, do you still have that painting? I want to buy that painting. And I looked over, and the price tag was as big as can be, $70. <laughs> and I had just changed it a few hours before, from 400 to $70. And he was so happy, and his wife said, finally, I'll stop listening to you talk about this damn painting. We'll have it. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. That's so, cool. So, like I said, there was a reason that that marriage didn't work out. Well, there was also another story I recall from that very same workshop. You said that one of the paintings you had done when we were all together on location... You had gone to bed that night, and she went downstairs and painted something out of the painting. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, you came yes. to class the next day and shared that. And, uh, I believe it was trees. Trees, she, that's she painted right. painted out trees, yeah. That's right. And Do you consider, that's considered a little bit of a control issue, don't you think? Well, it certainly <laughs> is grounds for yeah. a divorce. <laughs> it would be with you, right? Yeah. It would be for me. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> can you tell us some of the galleries that your works are in? Um, I have, uh, I'm shipping paintings down this month to the Dappert Gallery in Sarasota. Is that with a B, Dabbert? D-A-B-B-E-R-T. Mm -hmm. I'm really psyched about that. It has been acclaimed to be the best gallery in Sarasota. Really? Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful 
part of Florida too. It really is. Mm. And um, I have uh, paintings with the Neroden Gallery in Darien, Connecticut. Uh, my work can be seen at Art 3 in Manchester. New Hampshire? In Manchester, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Block Island. With the glass, glass, onion, glass onion on Block mm-hmm. Island. Silver yes. Mine. And you, that's where you taught, Silvermine? I taught at Silvermine for many mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a member of the Copley Society, so... In on Boston? A, on occasion, mm-hmm. my work is there. So. Great, great. And let's throw out your website. Pamela Dulong Williams. And that's D-U-L-O-N-G. Correct. The link will be right on my website, if you forget it. And I think we're just about out of time today. You have a you have a meeting coming here in a few minutes. Yes, I do a master class meeting. Uh, what is a what is a master class? Uh, I am class. teaching a master class this year, which will entail all the foundations: the drawing, the perspective, the oh. color analysis, portraiture, figurative, uh, plein air painting, and it's a thirty-six week course. How many weeks? 36 weeks. Wow. And we're going over the syllabus uh, this afternoon and questions and answers about what they expect in the course and what I expect from them. Mm -hmm. So we're getting down and we're getting serious. And these are people that are selected for this class. This is not the beginners. Yeah. So uh, this is a hard-ass class. Oh, I shouldn't say that. No, no, no. Our ass is okay. This is... I don't um, think any children listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're not fooling around with this one. This is what I've been teaching in art schools for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And uh, it's been a real pleasure, Pam. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much. Always great to see you. This is Martin Willis with Pamela Dulong-Williams signing off.